What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod, Sean Archander here with you, joined by Rohan Naranjan on yet another NFL podcast. Today, we're joined by Ashwin, coming all the way from us via Zoom on Purdue. Ashwin, how are you doing? I'm good, you guys. How are you doing? Good, good. I mean, last week, Rohan, you know, we unfolded all this Urban Meyer drama, and I'm just waiting to get into all this John Gruden stuff, but we'll kick it off to you. Obviously, he resigned. Um, as the Raiders head coach last night. And keep in mind, this guy, he signed a 10-year contract um, prior to his second stint with the Raiders. And now, what, about three and a half seasons into it, he's he's jumped and ship after some emails, uh, I guess, re- revealed a lot of misogynistic and, um, I mean, that's, that's the least to say, racist comments. Um, I mean, the list kind of goes on, but we'll kick it off to you. What do you, what do you think, what are your kind of takeaways from this? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of shocking when I first heard about it. Um, you know, I mean, Gruden's been in the league for many years now. Obviously, he was in the, a coach for a while uh, with the Raiders and the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then he went to the booth and then became a coach again. So he's had a long journey in the NFL, and he's pretty respected around the league, at least for his football knowledge. But now with this, um, you know, all these emails leaking out these last couple of days, it's kind of, uh, I think, I think it's safe to say it's kind of ended his career in the NFL. I think he's, I, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think he's going to get another job in the league um, for as long as he lives. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of sucks. You know, he's a great coach, great um, commentator as well, but these kind of comments are unacceptable, especially in today's world. So, you know, I mean, it, it was kind of surprising to me when the first couple emails came out earlier this week, um, you know, about the, the, you know, with the thing with the lips and the racist comments. And then there were reports that, you know, he, there was no plans to fire him uh, despite those comments. And then just last night, more emails released of, uh, you know, misogynistic comments, homophobic comments. And then obviously, you know, the whole emails with the Washington football teams, I believe, uh, owner, correct? Um, of, you know, the topless shoot with the cheerleaders. That was, you know, just pretty astounding to me as well. So, you know, a lot to unwrap here. Um, but yeah, Ashwin, any, any thoughts about the whole situation as well? Yeah, for me, it's just, I think it's, like, just mirroring exactly what you said. Like, dude, with today's culture and, like, everything that's going on in the world, like, you can't be saying that stuff. Like, regardless if it's 10 years ago or five years ago, these people are going to find everything, right? So the second you get caught, it's over. And, like, it's a no-brainer decision for Mark Davis. I mean, like, this isn't, like, brand-new stadium, like, up-and-coming franchise, moved out of Oakland, headed to Las Vegas, on the rise, winning record. Like, this is just, like, I don't know. The team lacked energy team did not look good against the Bears that's a winnable game for the Raiders and to play like that coming off everything and then immediately on Monday Night Football where he used to be all everything else comes out that was it for him I mean it wasn't surprising to me I think for me personally like I honestly believe if you go through like a lot of cold coaches like guys from the 90s 80s like you probably find a lot of emails like this that's just the NFL culture and it's it's been that way for a long time they're trying to change so this is the first step to changing that getting rid of John Gruden and like you said I really don't think he has space in the league forever until he dies yeah no I mean I think that you really nailed it on spot but like I think like one of the things that just still doesn't sit right to me is that I mean you said it yourself it's like it's NFL culture and I think that's what they're trying to change obviously by getting John Gruden out of the league and um the thing is like um what was really what was really surprising was that it was it was around 803 uh, Eastern time when the New York Times revealed that Gruden used these misogynistic and homophobic language for years. 
um, as those emails showed that. And then what was crazy was that he like, he denounced the emergence of women referees and the drafting of a gay player and the tolerance of protests during the national anthem. And um, the drafting of a gay player was extremely interesting to me because given the fact that he has Carl Nassib right now on the roster, um, that's the first, um, I guess, openly gay NFL player on an active roster. Um, and Mark Davis basically arrived at the team's facility um, within the span of that uh, New York Times article releasing. And he looked to go and find John Gruden. And within, I guess, a little bit of conversation, Gruden just went ahead and resigned. So again, I don't think that this was in part of what the Raiders planned on doing because don't get me wrong, I don't know if the Raiders would have taken that step to fire him because the league sent the Raiders a lot of stuff regarding this emails through since Friday. And they were like, we're going to see what you do with this. So they wanted to see how the franchise would act. Nothing really transpired. And then on Sunday, he came in front of media and said, there's not an ounce of racism in me, this and that. And once the second report kind of came, it was just like the hammer, I guess, the nail on the coffin. I think, yeah, like I said, Sean, like uh, just mirroring what you said as well, you know, they weren't planning on firing him, I think, until last night, you know, until all these other emails came out with, you know, misogynistic, homophobic, um, all these comments, you know, including the email I talked about with the Washington football team uh, executives, there was no plans to fire Gruden um, past this weekend. And then I think that, you know, Mark Davis kind of was forced his hand with all these emails, you know, um, especially with, you know, today's culture, uh, especially with how the league's kind of pushing towards this new image, whatever it is, you kind of have to fire him at that point. I think that Gruden resigned, but I think that if he didn't, if he was, you know, I didn't think he was going to force and be like, no, I'm not resigning. I think he would have been fired easily. Um, you know, Mark Davis's son also has a lot of, you know, kind of these controversial controversial issues around him so you know I don't think Mark Davis kind of would have fired him if the league didn't pressure him but that's just how it is in today's world he would have gotten a lot of shit if he didn't fire Gruden I think that this was just the first step in doing that so this was kind of an inevitable inevitable thing that happened um, but it's just crazy how it's all unfolding now I mean this is a franchise that's like always dealt with like a kind of a negative image right when they're in Oakland like the fan base like everybody all the players like They've always been kind of the bad boys of the league. I think moving to Las Vegas was an effort to change that, right? Like, always been overshadowed in the Bay Area. Now you get a new stadium in Vegas. Like, you're right where all the betters are. You're the team in Vegas. Like, all tourists are coming to watch you guys. The stadium is beautiful. Like, they're trying to clean their image while the NFL is also trying to clean their image. So, like Rohan said, I, I just don't see any possibility. Like, there was no chance that Mark Davis could keep him around. Like, if he did, they would have dealt with so much backlash. It would have been really, really ugly. Like, to, to see what Urban Meyer went through, the John Gruden thing was probably, like, a lot worse. Oh, yeah. In my eyes, at least. Yeah, I think so. Compare, even compared to Urban Meyer, I think this is so much worse, you know? Oh, 100%. Um, it's, it's, not even remotely close. <laughs> it's not remotely close. But um, I think that what's – I was telling Sean before the – I was yeah. telling Sean before the pod, like, for me, it felt like someone was trying to get him because, like, I, I don't know, mm -hmm. like, I, it didn't go through Schefter, didn't go through Glazer, didn't go through Rappaport, came straight from the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Like, for me, that seems like someone wanted to get John Gruden out of the league, and they were successful. Like, I mean, they put him in such a terrible position. Like, there was no escaping this. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's literally, like, the nail in the coffin, like I was saying. But what's, what's really, really interesting, though, is that 
like no doubt about it, John Gruden should be out of the league. But what I've still not understood was that like all this, all the stuff that's kind of unfolding about Gruden right now, it's crossfire from the Washington football team investigation. Like they, this wasn't an investigation on Gruden. This was an investigation on the Washington football team and their culture. And a lot of the stuff that unfolded last year. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, Gruden's emails were in that string, in that investigation. Apparently, um, per the New York Times, uh, it was Roger Goodell who instructed Lee execs to look at over 650,000 emails during the past few months during its investigation into the workplace of the culture of the Washington football team. And the only email, emails that we've gotten so far in public in terms of like explicit comments have been about John Gruden. So I mean, Ashvin, like once, once again, like you were saying, it's almost as if somebody wanted him out of the league. And what's really, I guess, satirical and weird about the situation is that um, Bruce Allen, who's the Washington football team exec, or at least read formerly the Redskins at the time, he's now basically responsible for getting his brother, younger brother, Jay Gruden out of the league when they called him up at 5 a.m. and fired him um, at the, in the nation's capital. And now it's it's John Gruden that finds himself heading out. Yeah, I mean, I think that whole Washington football team controversy is just starting to unravel. I mean, we know that uh, Dan Snyder is currently on suspension right now, right now, I think, right? It's 10 month suspension um, because of all the sexual harassment stuff that he faced last summer. And now I'm kind of thinking like with this Gruden stuff unraveling, I think that, you know, the suspension might get pushed more if there's more evidence which comes out that he was involved in this, you know, this topless. That, that's the thing though. That's the thing. Like we know that he was involved yet. Why haven't like, it's been over a year and we've just heard like what has happened. We haven't, we don't know any explicit situations per se. And any explicit situation that we do know is in relation relation to John Gruden yeah I mean I I don't know do you think the league could further suspension because this is like another part of that harassment thing that uh came out last year and I feel like you know I at some point I was we were actually talking about this in one of my class today you know there's a difference between the punishment that the owners get versus the coaches the people who cash the checks versus the people who write them there's a big difference in how they're treated in the league especially with the commissioner you know with NFLPA whoever it is the owners get away with a lot more stuff than the coaches. Anything that this might end up being like Dan Snyder gets away with it unscathed past the 10 month suspension. Because I think in my opinion, like he should be forced to sell the team. Like, I don't know if you guys remember like a few years ago when with the Clippers, um, with the whole, uh, who is it? Yeah. Donald, Donald, Sterling. Uh, Donald Sterling. Yeah. He uh, was forced to sell the team after the racist comments. I feel like that situation should happen in this case, because with the countless amount of incidents um, with the Washington football team. I mean, this is a league that, like I said, trying to change their image, right? The end racism sticker at every end zone, the stand with you stickers on helmets. Like, this is the opportunity for Roger Goodell to be like Adam Silver. Like, I honestly think this is just the first part of a huge amount of emails about to release. John Gruden's the first victim of a lot more people on the like getting just screwed. That's right? the so this is an opportunity for the league to get Dan Snyder out, get any toxic culture out. And this is a nation's capital. Like, this is not a small market. Right. This is a very popular football team in one of the most popular divisions with the most popular rivals. Pretty good team. Like they're not amazing, but they're on the rise. Probably a quarterback away from being a very good team. 
Like, yeah. this is an opportunity for Goodell to make a statement. And what he does is going to set the tone for how much cult, the culture of the NFL is changing. That's the thing. Like, who else is going to get, like, uh, exposed in this, like, with this leak of emails? I feel like, like you said, Ashvin, like, I think this is just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg for the league. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if more emails came out about, you know, some older coaches or maybe even other people who are still in the league presently. It's going to be kind of interesting to see that. I honestly, like, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that for now, for the time being, it's, I think it's going to end at John Gruden for now. It's just going to keep being about John Gruden because it's, like, it's so mind-boggling to me. Like, I mean, Rohan, like you were saying, you were like, oh, will they extend, you know, Snyder's suspension now that this stuff's coming out? I don't think they will because I think they knew that this stuff happened. And that's why the suspension's in place. And because they just found more to mount against Gruden, we don't know what's kind of going on behind the scenes. And then, you know, now he's basically just been kicked out of the league. And I mean, I don't know if you guys also saw, like the Buccaneers just removed him from his, the ring of honor too. Like they ring, and he was their first Super Bowl winning head coach of two championships, of course, um, that the, you know, they won last year too. But regardless i think that it's just it sucks for gruden because i think his en- entire nfl career is just tainted now like it doesn't matter no one i like i'm i'm gonna say like no one cares like it's it's literally like that now. it's ugly because he was one of the most arguably one of the most popular personalities in all football like he really was like Monday night football then becoming the head coach of the raiders getting a 10-year deal like that doesn't happen conventionally and like this is like a very popular person for him to go down you might be right, dude. This might be a ploy by someone to get the attention off the Washington scandal or something. It's very possible. It's it's a it's an ugly thing to go through. I mean, for the Raiders, I mean, this is just a very difficult situation to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that uh, like you said, I think Goodell might try to be, you know, make an example out of this. Um, you know, really lay the hammer down. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Gruden's not gonna get a job in the league, um, you know, forever now. Uh, but I think this is kind of like a message that, you know, these leaks can happen, especially Sean, you were saying that you think that, you know, Goodell had the 600,000 emails like reviewed or whatever because of this Washington football team investigation. And that's honestly like scary because I know like a lot of, especially old coaches for sure talked a bunch of shit in those emails. Like, you know, people were saying all sorts of stuff like 10, 15 years ago, even now. So, you know, this is kind of worrisome, especially if you're like a current coach. Um, this could honestly get ugly in a hurry. No, certainly. You got to think about all the past coaches for Washington, right? Mike Shannon, Kyle Shannon, our coach. I mean, anybody who's (laughs) coached for Washington, anything like that, I mean, this is, they got to be a little nervous. I mean, I don't know. Like, you got to assume the best out of people, but you also got to assume the worst. And like you said, like, NFL coaches might not be the best human beings. So, certainly. I think to kind of transition with the Raiders, though, on a more on field subject, um, a very, very under the radar storyline right now is that Derek Carr um, has said that he's not going to be talking an extension with the team during the season. This was also before all the scrutiny stuff unfolded. Um, I honestly was not going to bring this up, but the reason I am bringing it up is because Gruden's gone now and because all the stuff's unfolding, it now puts in a question like, I don't think people are really focusing on Derek Carr like they should, because I think that he's, he's going to leave. I think that this is his last season with the Raiders. He's never had a proper head coach there. I think that he'd want to stay for his teammates and his players, but with no sense of direction in the franchise, like I think, I think he's going to be jumping ship this offseason. I think it's kind of telling. Uh, you know, we all like threw Antonio Brown under the bus 
couple seasons ago when he had that whole outburst, uh, you know, calling the the GM of the Raiders a cracker, all this, right? It was it was like a pretty crazy situation, and now all the stuff's coming out. Like it's just the Raiders have always kind of been under this spotlight. And Sean, I think you're, I think you could be right. I don't really know. I haven't really been following the whole car contract situation very closely, but I think if he already wasn't willing to talk an extension during the season right now, you know, what are the chances he still wants to stay in this like dysfunctional organization past this off season, um, especially with all this news about Gruden coming out now, who I think honestly, like him and Gruden were gelling at least the last couple of seasons. So this, this is kind of going to be a huge turn for him. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he left this off season either. Yeah, for me, I think, like, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. Like, just to be really blunt about it. I think he's very good. And I think, like, what he was doing at the start of the year was very impressive. Obviously, like, he's a lot of – he's he reminds me a little Kirk Cousins up and down a little bit. Like, you can never really predict what you're going to get from Derek Carr on a daily basis. But when he's good, he's clicking. Like, he can throw the ball accurately downfield. Um, and, like, watching him with Gruden this year, it was pretty special early on. But now that he's gone, I think this is a chance for Mike Mayock to clean ship uh, – sorry, clean house – uh, just an opportunity to get the guys that he wants in. I think it's pretty obvious that Gruden's a dominant personality. With Gruden out the building, it's a chance for Mike Mayock to do what he wants to do. Uh, Mike Mayock has not been great. I think it's pretty fair to say that. Cleveland Farrell, not a great pick. Bunch of questionable picks up and down the draft board, but this is a chance to get the QB that he wants. And it's a chance for Derek Carr to go where he wants to go too. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of quarterbacks departing, um, we had, a, I guess – ever never ending debate on the 49ers quarterback situation um so you know moving moving on to that part um of our podcast of course the 49er part of podcast um Trey Lance just made his NFL debut it was it was what you should be expecting out of a rookie quarterback doesn't matter where they got picked number one or number 199 like Tom Brady but it, uh, it is what it is but um, I guess some quick takeaways, I guess we could say that the defense played great. Um, they look great against the Cardinals. I mean, keep in mind the team is 5-0 with one of the most explosive offenses. And I might be wrong on this. I think 17 points is the least amount of points that have been held to this season so far. Yeah. So that's definitely telling of, you know, the team that the 49ers have. And um, I think that, you know, it's, it's always been like that. Um, I mean, Rohan knows this probably better than anyone. I've never, ever advocated for the 49ers quarterback being the reason that they ever win a game. Um, again, wins are also not a quarterback stat. Uh, so, you know, if you have a great defense, of course, they had Robert Sell all these years. Um, I think that they're getting back into rhythm just a little bit, a little bit banged up in the secondary for sure. But Trey Lance looked good enough. I think he finished fifth. Um, among rookie quarterbacks like in their first start in rushing he had 89 rush yards so again that looked great but it ends in a sprained uh left knee I believe which should knock him out for about a week or two but good timing with the bye week coming up what do you guys take away from I guess Trey Lance in this entire quarterback situation SF uh yeah I first want to give like you know a little bit of credit to D'Amico Ryan defensive coordinator for the Niners obviously like there were questions about how effective he was the first couple of weeks, especially when they gave up a lot of points to, you know, to the Eagles and the Lions. But I think he's really stepped up, and this is kind of, you know, I think it's his best game so far as a defense coordinator, easily holding the Cardinals to a season low. So no complaints for the defense from me for the most part. I mean, you can only hold them for so long. Um, but obviously to the topic everyone wants, everyone wants to hear, 
you know, Trey Lance making his debut. Um, I mean, I thought he, I, this is honestly what I expected from him. Um, I wouldn't say he had a bad game. I wouldn't say he had a good game. Uh, he made mistakes. He had a couple high throws, a couple wobblers. Um, the first, first drive, he, you know, he threw an interception, um, you know, over, uh, I believe, believe Travis Benjamin's head uh, when he could have run for 10 yards. So, you know, I, I thought he showed flashes here and there. I'm looking to see how he will develop as a quarterback going forward. Um, but honestly, I think we really got to talk about Kyle Shanahan here. Um, Shanahan has been, you know, if you want to put it bluntly, you know, just not a good coach this year. I think he's a much better coach than he's shown through five games of this season. Uh, this is worth showing for me as, uh, you know, in his tenure with the 49ers. You know, Trey Lance giving giving a rookie quarterback 16 carries in his first game while only giving your running backs 10 combined carries is unacceptable. You can't put him in that kind of position where, you know, I know you want to run specific packages for him because, you know, he, he can extend plays. He can do stuff with his feet, but you can't put him in harm's way. And now he has a left, left uh, knee sprain, which I think could have easily been avoidable if he took less hits and less design runs for him. Um, but I think overall, like Shanahan's, Offensive play calling has been kind of mediocre so far. The offense has made a lot of penalties uh, going forward. I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit later. Um, but I think we, we really need to start focusing on Shanahan and kind of his mistakes. And actually, like, we need to start giving him shit for what he's done the first five weeks. Yeah, for me, like, Trey looked like any 21-year-old rookie quarterback making his first start would look. Like, it was inconsistent. But for at times, honestly, he felt like the whole offense. Like, they did not give him enough help to succeed. McGlinchey was terrible. There was drops up and down the board. Playing Travis Benjamin over Brandon Ayuk for like 20 snaps makes no sense to me. Like everything that Kyle did, like Rohan said, is just questionable. This is a guy who's an offensive, honest to God, like I really believe in Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the smartest coach in the NFL offensively. So for him to do what he did with Trey, kind of making him play like RG3 in some sense, like it did not look good. It looked really ugly offensively. Like fourth down conversion is one for five. That's not acceptable. You got a, you got a kid that can bolt. He can throw darts downfield. He can throw darts in the slant. He can he can make so many passes that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. And you just did not allow him to put him in position to succeed the way he should have been able to. Obviously, you got to consider the fact that they're shorthanded, right? I mean, no Kittle. That's going to hurt any rookie quarterback. Like, not playing without you with your best offensive weapon in your first career start, that's going to be tough. The Cardinals' defense is pretty good. J.J. Watt coming off the edge was dominant. Um, but for me, I didn't see any fault in Trey's performance. The interception was ugly, but that to me, that looked like nerves more than anything else. I think he could make a throw that he couldn't make in that moment. That's just nerves. And honestly, I was like Rohan, like as a college and truther, it's been bad, bro. It's been really, really ugly. Like I have not seen one outstanding offensive performance since week one. And that was against the Lions. Like they struggled against yeah. the Eagles, the Packers game, they couldn't score for the entire first half. The Seahawks game, the second half was disgusting. Like, everything was just bad. And I don't know what's going on with Kyle. I don't know if he's lost the locker room. It just doesn't look great. And, uh, I mean, this guy is going to be around for a long time. So we got to get used to Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance because that's the future. But, yeah. No, I mean, I think that – I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to blatantly say you guys are probably going to get pissed at this, but I think that, honestly, in the last 10 years or so, basically the last decade of 49er football, I think the best move that you guys have made is hiring Kyle Shanahan and hiring John Lynch to change everything up there um now the thing is like rohan i'm gonna keep i'm again it's nothing personal but i'm gonna keep battering at you because you said two weeks ago you're like oh like like 
whatever happened with Justin Fields and his Browns start, he didn't have help, he didn't have this, you're, you know, putting your quarterback in a horrible situation. We debated this last week. If it wasn't for Garoppolo's injury, you were advocating for Trey Lance to start. I, I've been saying, I mean, like, no doubt about it, the playbook opens up like, like hell, you know? I mean, like, in a good way, because he can, like, like Ashwin was saying, he can make throws that Jimmy Garoppolo can and can't make along with carrying the football. Now, my whole thing is clearly the team's a bit banged up. Kyle Shanahan has not had proper prep time with Trey Lance to be like, here's what we can do, here's what we can't do. And going back to your 16 carries that you were mentioning, I want to say about half of them are probably called for Trey Lance to run. The rest were just him tucking and running. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, like, in, in regards to, like, also the goal line play, I think when you guys were down a touchdown or something like that where, where Lance kind of rolled out to the right and just – powered straight for the goal and just got stuffed by like a brick wall of two or three cardinal defenders like he also took a pretty bad hit over there and went down to the one that was fourth and goal so i understand where you guys are coming from in terms of like kyle shanahan this kyle shanahan that but again you need to understand what he's working with and i'm again i'm i'm also a kyle shanahan believer like i still believe he's one of the strongest offensive minds in the league but again it literally comes down to game plan like think about if Kittle was playing that game at 100% healthy guy like he is one of the most unselfish players in the league he will block he will make those lanes for Lance in those option plays um and then in regards to just passing it like again like we, we were saying this last week on the pod Rohan like at least Aritra was when he joined us too that Trey Lance is not ready in the passing aspect of things and I think that it showed that despite the fact that it was a one possession game, it kept things close. He wasn't operating like it was a one possession game, if that makes sense. So, I mean, that's, that's honestly like really what I have to say about it. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably supposed to start week seven. That's the hope like how Shanahan's put out there right now against the Colts. So we really, I really don't know. I mean, like what's, what's kind of going to unfold over there, but, it's it's safe to say that Lance is just still not ready. I think I the only way for him to get ready is to play games. Yeah, like, he needs, honestly, like he needs reps, bro. I don't understand why Kyle would want to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand maybe he gives the team the best chance to win. Trey Lance was still eighty three percent of this team's offense uh, in Week Five. You know, it, it might not have been pretty, but he was the workhorse for the offense. And I think we, we know what we're going to get with Garoppolo at this point. You know, we know his floor. We know his ceiling. There's no point. I think it's kind of clear now that this team is not a Super Bowl contender. So why, if we know that we're going to move on from Jimmy, this at least this offseason, that's, I think that's, that's the premonition right now. Um, I think anyone you ask will say that Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on this team next, off, next season. So what is the point of still playing Jimmy? If you have Lance, you know that you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Get the kids some reps. Let them develop. Let them play. Learn the offense a little bit. Learn week to week. Have the bye week to okay, kind of study. But was it? Hang on. But was was okay? Watching week one, like coming out of that matchup, was it worth Trey Lance getting hurt? Sorry. Was that worth? Like was it worth week? watching Trey Lance get hurt? I think there's ways to avoid him getting hurt. I think there's things to learn from like what we just saw. Like personally, I think like. I completely agree with Rohan. Like Jimmy G, like we have seen the ceiling. All right, the last like Jimmy G's won a ton of games. The last two years when he started, they're below five hundred. All right, Trey Lance put the ball in the opponent's uh, other 
uh, what, what's the word? I'm missing out here. On the other side of the field. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I like he got it. there way more than Jimmy G could have, right? The first half against Seattle was terrible outside of the first drive. The second half of Seattle, Trey was better than Jimmy was. I just think, like, right now, there's absolutely I mean, no point logically to go back to Jimmy G. They are not winning Super Bowl. I'm gonna, They're I'm gonna banged be up. This team is not healthy. I'm going to be – I'm gonna be honest with you, like like the second half against the Seahawks, like take away that wide open Debo touchdown. What do you have? No, but Sean, he's still moving the ball better. That's the point, though. That's the point. I, mean, I understand that he's moving the ball better. I understand that, but like the thing, the thing that it comes back down to is that, like again, Rohan, like you were talking about Kyle Shannon calling these, like whatever, like calling these run plays for him, or the fact that he's tucking and running it. That's just his play style. I don't think that Shanahan has like the ability to build the offense around Trey just yet. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is a plug and chug guy. Again, you guys said it, we know his ceiling wherever he goes, he's not going to elevate a team. He's just going to be good enough for them to win games based on whoever's around him. Now, I mean, I know it's way too early to say this, but next offseason, when Trey has a whole offseason to prep with Kyle Shanahan, they have a whole new offense like built around him. This team and this offense is going to blow up. And, and I think they're going to be a top five offense in the league. I know it's very premature to say that, but that's what I believe that Shanahan has in his mind. And that's what he wanted when he went out there and drafted Trey Lance. Another thing that I said last week, though. Yeah, sorry, continue. What were you saying? See, for me, like, if I can compare this to basketball for a second, Trey reminds me a lot of James Wiseman in some sense, right? Like, okay. Trey, in and of himself, has not played a lot of football. Like, he has not played a ton of quarterback, right? He's played right. high school. The last two years of high school, he played one year at North Dakota State and sat out the entire year. So if you're going to sit out this guy for another entire year, get no live reps playing actual NFL defenses, how can you expect to put him in as a plug-and-play next year and immediately elevate to a top-five offense? I don't see it. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes played a ton at Texas Tech. So for him to sit back and learn from Alex Smith, like – I'm not going to say that he is a Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. Like, absolutely not. But the thing is that you understand that, like, regardless, he's a professional athlete. I mean, it's not like he's not seen a good defense before. And – Based on what we have seen from him, even though it's been an extremely small sample size of like, literally we can get it down to just plays or then four quarters against Arizona. But the thing is that, like, I honestly, I honestly don't think that it's worth throwing Trey into the fire and then getting questions from management saying, oh, this is the guy that you drafted. Like, I don't think Kyle's trying to but build those questions. Management was like in on the process, you know, like they were in no, on no management was not John no, no. Lynch. No it's one Kyle, knew Kyle Shane. No, Kyle Shannon, yeah, Kyle Shannon has final say. I think believe in the draft process. I honestly believe that Jed York at this point, if I was Jed York, you know, watching this team, I think you kind of know that they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Sean, it's a totally different situation if I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to win it. So, what is the point of delaying Lance's development? Another whole whatever. What is it? Ten more weeks. If you guys, if you guys are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, then sure, we'll have that. Though, what what are you getting from Jimmy that you're that you're not going to get from Trey? I don't think that it's not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm by no means saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is better. I don't believe. Like, I mean, you know how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he's he's horrible. He is horrible. All right. Like, I hate 
I hate the fact that 49er fans are like, oh, this is our guy. He took us to the Super Bowl. He threw the ball like eight freaking times in the championship game. Like, it honestly gets me very heated. The fact that people say this guy's a good quarterback. Just a kittle every so, week, bro. So exactly, literally. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating for Jimmy G to start. But my whole thing is when I have another NFL-ready quarterback on my roster, that, that like, that's the thing. And, like, I'm not trying to sound messed up in any kind of way right now. But I'm just saying, like, if Garoppolo was to go down compared to Lance going down with an injury, whatever it may be, I'm pretty sure Shanahan and stuff, like, weirdly in the back of their mind, they're like, at least Jimmy's going down. Because everyone knows he's probably not going to be on that team next year. So, again, I think I – in terms of I like, just, putting... I just don't think I just don't think that it's worth watching Trey get hurt. Like just just in the off chance that Trey tears his ACL, like everything is just screwed. Like everything's screwed. For me, I don't think you can base like football off of that because every single player, the second they step onto an NFL field, they have an opportunity to get a concussion, tear their ACL, roll their ankle. That's just the nature of football, right? I like in my heart of hearts, I really believe the only way for Trey Lance to be successful next year is to get live reps in the same way that Lamar Jackson got live reps at the end of his rookie season. At the Lamar end? Jackson, at the, yeah, who was, at the end, who was 100%. Started? Yeah. Who's, Joe Flacco. Joe I 100% understand. Joe Flacco, for God's sake. I 100% understand. I 100% understand, right? But that Ravens team, I believe, was better than this Niners team was, especially with how banged up we are. We don't have Dre Greenlaw, Jason Verrett's out for the year, Mostert's out for the year, Kittle's on IR. A bunch of guys that are important for this team's success are out. This team is not competing for a title. Having the bye week as an opportunity to get Trey even more ready, depending on his injury, obviously. Seeing what he does against the Colts, I, I just I, I can't wrap my my head around going back to Jimmy Garoppolo. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I understand putting Trey in arms away is probably not the move, but like for me, watching Jimmy G play football, I can't do it as an Irish fan. I honest to God, I cannot watch him play football again. Like that's fully biased. I cannot stand the guy. Right? I'd rather watch Trey make mistakes, learn, develop with live reps, get better, and then let's go full out next year. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. I think it's at least it'd be kind of fun to watch Trey Lance instead of like Jimmy G dinking and dunking around like 10 yards around the field, bro. He can't throw outside the numbers, can't throw down the field. You know, just let the kid get his reps. Um, I mean, I think you got to look in the mirror. You know, it's not 2019 anymore. You know, I think the defense is good, but they're not as good as they were in 2019. They can't really carry this team. Right now, the run game looks almost non-existent. You know, like I said, 10 total carries for Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon combined compared to Trey Lance's 16 rushes. Um, I don't know what Kosh Payne is doing. He needs to implement the play action pass more. But I think the real question is, where is Brandon Ayuk? That is like the biggest, I think that's the thing I'm most pissed at Kyle at right now is you traded up for this guy in the first round last year. You know, like he had a great rookie season despite missing what, like six games? Well, I think around six games. Had 700 yards. All the season, you come out week one and say Trent Sherfield is better than this dude. Trent Sherfield in the last two weeks has played... 55% less snaps than Brandon Ayuk. And this is the guy who Kyle said beat out Ayuk in preseason. Now Travis Benjamin is getting on the field more than Ayuk. Ayuk did play what I think it was like 63% of his snaps, but he was only targeted four times, only had, I believe, one or two catches. So I just want to kind of talk about that a little bit because I think that's a huge problem right now going on, um, you know, with the four hours and especially Kyle Shanahan's just honestly negligence in not um, involving Ayuk in this offense. Yeah, I'm confused because I actually thought, like, he said after the draft that this was his sec- like his favorite receiver along with C.D. Lamb. Like, what is going on? Like, every time they throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk, he makes a play. 
like throw outside the numbers to Ayuk on third down from, from Lance. That was a beautiful throw, beautiful catch. The throw where Ayuk catches with one hand, breaks a tackle, spins off, gains yards. This guy can make plays. I don't understand. He's not getting targeted. Even George Kittle. When George Kittle's in the game, whenever he's playing, he's not getting targeted that much. The, the, the biggest place for Kittle this year was when the game was on the line in the Packers game and Jimmy G was throwing it to him and he was driving them downfield on his own. Right? So it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on with Kyle. Like, the whole basis of this offense to work is based on the run game. The run game is failing. He's lost without Mostert. He's lost without Jeff Wilson Jr. The blocking has been ugly. Mike McGlinchey is just, I don't know what's going on with that guy. He yeah. is, I really don't know, because Trent I mean, Williams is locking down. I think him on, on the right side, that that right side O-line might be bottom five in the league right now. Brunskill and McGlinchey, it's really bad. But, I mean, there's no excuses for not targeting Brandon Ayuk in this offense way more. He's a huge playmaker. You traded up in the draft to get this dude. What's going on? The crazy part is the touchdown drive, they gave it to their playmakers. Lance, Debo, and Brandon got them down the field, and they scored. So what's going on? Like, what? I, I, I don't know. I'm lost. This is not the Kyle Shanahan that I know. That's the crazy part. Like, this is 2019 Kyle Shanahan was getting the ball to his playmakers. They were hitting Debo in the end around. They were hitting Debo in the slant. Sanders downfield. They were getting the ball to Kittle over the middle. He was making plays. Handing the ball to Mostert for 20 yards. Fucking carry at times. Right? So I don't understand what's going on. Like, Kyle, I don't know. It's hard to explain because this is not the Kyle Shanahan that I know. No. I mean, definitely, I think that weirdly enough, I feel that reasoning for Kyle Shanahan's, like, play calling recently has been because he doesn't know who's going to be a quarterback. You know? Like on a, and it's literally come down to a week to week basis, given the fact that they both are now injured. He doesn't know who's going to be playing a quarterback. So, based on that, it also depends on like, you know, the chemistry that these guys have. I think the only guy that we can kind of point out, maybe two guys might be George Kittle and Debo Samuel, that doesn't matter who's a quarterback, they're figuring it out. Um, I honestly just feel bad for Ayuk because. He's been facing an uphill battle all offseason, like Rohan, you were saying, like, quote, unquote, like he's in Shanahan's doghouse, um, you know, for the most part. And I guess the fact that, like, Ayuk is seeing the field more is because Shanahan has seen that Ayuk has been showing up more, just doing something that he likes. But that still doesn't translate to him getting the ball. So I also think that one game with Lance, like, like, literally the Cardinals game, it's really not an accurate representation of what Lance can do for this offense and how everyone around him will operate. Uh, because again, it's just one game. It's literally just one game. So it's honestly, it just comes down to like Lance trusting his receivers and who he wants to trust. And again, we mentioned it like Kittle, Debo and Ayuk, like those three guys, like I can't really name anyone else on Niners offense, like other than those three guys that are like, they're like dogs, you know, like they're absolute dogs. Like they will attack the ball. They'll make the quarterback look good. And it's just, it's just a matter of adjusting to that. Bro, Mahomes, they actually have a really, yeah, so Muhammad Sanu and Travis Benjamin are getting targets over Brandon Ayuk in this offense. I mean, it's, it's honestly malpractice from a coaching standpoint to give guys like that over your first round draft pick who you raved about before the draft, after the, you guys drafted him, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a coaching malpractice to not get Brandon Ayuk involved. I don't, I, that's all I, I, I'm I think even compared to the quarterback situation, that is the bigger thing 
that has really confused and honestly angered me, frustrated me about Kyle Shanahan this season. I think good. The basis of any Kyle Shanahan offense is the weapons, right? Like I said, like having that O-line that could zone block and get your running back holes to get through, that's the base of the West Coast offense. You combine that with the play action, and you have receivers who can make plays, like Sean was saying. Debo Samuel is a dog, man. Like, that guy will fight for yards. Brandon Ayuk, is, he's, he's a mediocre route runner, but he has speed. He has yak ability. All you really need is a quarterback that can make these throws, right? You need a run game that's successful and a quarterback that can make these throws. I, I honestly, God, believe they have both. I think Trey will make mistakes. I think Jimmy will make mistakes. Both of them can get the ball to those weapons if necessary. We saw it in 2019. Jimmy G was not good, but he got the ball where it needed to go when it mattered most because the run game was successful. Like, for me, it all comes down to the right side of the offensive line, like you were saying. McGlinchey and Brunskill being that bad and Alex Mack being mediocre in the middle completely negates the left side and Williams and Tomlinson being dumb because those two have been great. When they run behind Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk, they're getting yards. Trey Sermon was getting yards in Seattle. This week, for some reason, they're going full back up the middle. They're going QB up the middle, going QB draw up the middle. Like, they're not in the – they're in the pistol. They're just doing strange things, like not a conventional West Coast offense. It could be Kyle not knowing what he has in Trey yet. It could be Kyle not fully trusting Trey to know his offense, which is – I mean, it's a complicated offense. It took Matt Ryan a year. It took Jimmy G a year. It took pretty much any quarterback a year to get this offense down. So, I, I mean, I still believe in Kyle Shanahan, to be completely honest with you. I would not let him do – if the Niners let go of Kyle Shanahan tomorrow, there's probably six franchises that would leap to get Kyle Shanahan, like within seconds. They're, all Probably 30 would be interested in terms of being an offensive coordinator and six would want him to be a head coach, maybe more, right? You cannot let this kind of brain go away, right? You need to give him time, in my opinion. I think I'm disappointed in Kyle, but what he's shown me the past four years before this, like I have no reason to give up just yet. So exactly. that's my piece I mean, on Kyle. Like I still believe yeah, it honestly just still comes down to, you know, having, you know, your guys healthy. Like, that that's the most frustrating part, I think, as 49er fans, or at least for you guys, is that it's like you know what you have in your team, and the fact that they're just not healthy is, is the most frustrating part. But, um, you know, moving on from all that stuff, 49ers are, of course, heading into the bye week. Um, and with that being said, if you 49er fans are looking – for some California teams to watch next weekend, definitely keep your eye on the LA Chargers. Uh, they got a huge matchup coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan. Just absolutely love this guy. And every single week, he's just, I feel like he's just going under the radar in terms of like, no one's like, I guess, giving him that attention that he deserves. But I'm not going to lie to you, based on what we saw last night in the Ravens and Colts game, like it's, it's tough to focus on any other player other than Lamar Jackson. Um, he became the first player in NFL history to finish a game with 400 plus pass yards and a completion percentage of 85% or better. So to all those guys that keep saying, you know, he's just running back, like wake up, you know, just literally wake up. This guy's already won MVP. He's literally taken over the league year in, year out. Um, I believe that there was some insane stat that, you know, it's been going around, um, through social media today that Lamar Jackson has uh, more yards alone than 18 uh, offenses in the NFL right now. So it's just it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, I think he's like uh, eighth in passing and fifth in rushing right now just by himself. So it's pretty astounding to see what Lamar is doing. Um, you know, 
Shout out to him, honestly, last night, career high in yards as well. 37-43, like, you can't ask for much more. It's like a near-perfect game for a quarterback, especially someone like Lamar Jackson, who has been criticized even though he's won MVP. Um, and I'm really hoping this is the year that he finally takes that leap to, you know, a quarterback that, you know, I think people respect him around the league as players and stuff, but I think that there's still, like, the noise from, you know, media and fans that he's not a true QB1. Um, he can't win you games in the playoffs. I'm hoping he takes that leap. Um, and I agree. I think Justin Herbert is the the next quarterback of this, you know, the next generation. Um, in year two, he's just been absolutely astounding. I think there's there's honestly not much to say about him, other than he's been close to phenomenal almost every game that he's played. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing his development. Honestly, didn't believe this. If you told me this when he was coming out of college, I would have called you crazy. Um, but he's doing it now, so it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think I believe that Chargers have the fourth. One thing. That, look out for is that the Chargers have the fourth easiest remaining schedule um, with, you know, these next 10, 12 games. So that's going to be kind of some interesting to look at because the Chiefs right now are struggling uh, in that division. That AFC West division is kind of all over the place right now. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers kind of ended up winning this division, kind of grabbing that title from the Chiefs under uh, underneath them. Um, so it's going to be something to look out for. I think just quickly going back to Lamar Jackson, like actually speak louder than words. So people can say whatever they want about him. This guy just wins games. All right. He doesn't have Marcus Peters on the defense. The defense has been banged up all year. He has no healthy running backs. They have Tyson Williams playing running back. They have Le'Veon Bell activated from the practice squad. It's a joke. The Ravens running back room is a joke. This guy's the entire offense. He's winning games that he should not be winning. Whether it's ugly or not, he gets the job done, right? He performs every week in and out. He may have a bad game here and there. He's not the most consistent thrower, but he can make plays on his feet that other guys can't. He can make plays with the air that other guys can't. And that's about it on Lamar Jackson. He's just a phenomenal player. He's MVP of the league, right? Like, there's not much else to say. Justin Herbert, um, what do you guys think the Dolphins are thinking right now? I mean, you know, they, they, they thought they were so <laughs> you know, smart taking two of but, like, I mean, you know, there was, there was just ugly. This guy's, like, one of the most ridiculous talents. No, there, there was someone in the building, I can't remember, but it was it was from Jason LaConfara from CBS Sports, and there's someone in the Dolphins building, I think it was Brian Flores or someone else that was advocating to pick Justin Herbert and not Tua. They wanted, Brian Flores. They wanted to pick Herbert over Tua, and like, honestly, that, that was what the buzz was all week, too. It was down to those two guys, um, because Joe Burrow was going to go number one overall to Cincy, but... Um, you know, again, coming back to Lamar, I mean, what, what do you think, like, all 31 other NFL franchises are thinking right now? You know, forget the Dolphins. Like, at that point in time, like, the way I mean, I wish he was a Niners quarterback, bro, so, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, they trade they traded back in that first round. They got him. And, like, I think that it's it's literally, like, it's gotten to the point where, like, he, he has nothing more to prove. Like, really. Like, he really does not. Like, like I understand that the media and a lot of fans continue to double down on him for his running ability, but it's like, just respect what we're watching. Like, this is truly a gift. This is literally once in a generational talent. You know, I'm going to go to the extent of saying that. And, you know, Rohan, in regards to saying like him making this extra push, I think that he already made that last year in the playoffs when they went into Tennessee and they beat that team. And I loved, I honestly loved that game, like probably, probably the most in the entire playoffs, honestly, because 
the reason I loved it is because it was like a revenge playoff game and it came in Tennessee and that matchup was so personal. It was so, per- you could just see it like in the Ravens faces and the Titans. It's like, like, it does not get better than that. And like the fact that, you know, it came down to what it was like, like it was insane. Cause like the Ravens offense was just not getting anything going. And it was like a third and eight or something. And boom, 52 yards, Lamar Jackson in the house. So just so electrifying as a player to watch. But um, I guess back to what you were kind of saying about the Chiefs and stuff, this team's a freaking mess. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has already reached the same interception amount that he's thrown in the previous two seasons. And that number's only going to get higher um, as it should. But, you know, forget all these teams, guys, like the Bills are number one in the AFC right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that the Bills are doing this good. I think that last season kind of proved that Josh Allen is a legit quarterback. You know, this defense is legit. Stephon Diggs, obviously, we all knew about him. Um, And I always said, like, the missing piece was, like, the running game, at least. Um, So I think that the Bills should end up being the number one seed in the AFC at the end of the season. I think, yeah, I, I remember in our preseason pod, a lot of us picked the Bills to make the Super Bowl. And especially with the Chiefs struggling now, like, they have the highest turnover ratio differential um other than the jacksonville jaguars which is if you told me that before the season i would be you know just i would call you crazy so you know the chiefs keep struggling like this it's going to be tough i feel like every time i say it, it's a winnable game they end up losing so you know like it's it's as a as a niners fan i'm not gonna lie it's kind of nice to see the chiefs struggle a little bit too um but uh yeah. i mean <laughs> like i said i wouldn't be surprised if the chargers win this but Shama, any other matchups you want to talk about, you know, week five? Oh, sorry, week six, sorry. Honestly, yeah, no, you're good. Honestly, like, it's 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 honestly just the Bills and Titans is definitely an interesting one. Um, for sure, you know, the Titans seem to be a team that should be taking the AFC South, even though it's a little bit of a mess. It's like, they, they definitely should be coming out on top over there. Um, so those are two division leaders probably going head-to-head. Huge playoff implications on the line. Um Chiefs, they should they should have a rebound game this week. I mean, I wouldn't see why they should be losing to Washington right now. They're playing atrociously on defense. Um, and the Chiefs seem to have done a little bit more figuring out on the road with wins compared to at home, which is also surprising. Again, very uncharacteristic start for this team. But they have they have something to, you know, work on over there and get rolling with. Um, I think other than that, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars win this week. They're going to go to London and they're taking on the Miami Dolphins. And I, th- I think they'll win because like, I don't know. I mean, obviously we know Jacksonville, like their ties to London in these international games, they go every single season. Um, so they got a lot of, they got a lot of fans over there and Tua should probably come back this week, but that just makes me want to pick the opposing team more. I just trust what the Jaguars have actually been doing offensively down the stretch. And I feel that going to London and getting a win, it's it's going to be kind of bittersweet. It's going to be kind of cool to watch Trevor Lawrence if he, if he starts his NFL career wins internationally, you know, across the pond. He's going to win for Urban Meyer, right? It's a win <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, the whole Urban Meyer situation is still up in there. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the coach still continuing uh, at the end of the season. But uh, I, I'm with you, Sean. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jags end up winning this game. Both Tua and Jacoby Brissett are dealing with injuries. I, you said that Tua is probably going to start, you said, right? Um, so I think yeah, that's been 
the London games are always kind of interesting. I mean, I would I would be kind of feeling shitty if I was like an eight year old kid going to a game in London and <laughs> the first game was Jets. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Jets Falcons, and the next week Falcons. Was Dolphins, Dolphins Jags. But like the la- the matchups got to be a little bit more interesting for these London games. You know, we got to give them something overseas. Um, yeah, real quick, if I can go back to the Bills, I think like uh, I read over in the offseason, they built this team to beat the Chiefs. They drafted two defensive oh, yeah. linemen in the first round in order to beat the Chiefs. Gregory oh, Rousseau yeah, no, is a monster did. coming out the edge. No, they, they, they attacked they that Chiefs O-line, and they attacked that Chiefs secondary like no team I've seen before. They attacked it's it more not, than the Chargers did, and that was incredible. It's not even that. Like, just their mentality going into the game. Like, again, like when, when stuff gets personal in sports, like, that's when you love it. Because it's not about the player anymore either. It just brings yeah. the team together to go out there and win a game. And uh, Sean McDermott is the one who said it last off. He said, he said, yeah, like we're, we're winning, you know, we're winning football games. That doesn't matter though, because the chiefs are the team that beat us last year in the championship game. And so he said that they are the bar, right. And we need to, we need to break that bar. Like that, that's our test. So the fact that, you know, they came into Arrowhead primetime game, like it literally the odds could not be more stacked up against them. And right when the chiefs had a little bit of life, Josh Allen just comes out of nowhere and just kills them once again. And the fact that this guy had only 15, like, passes completed is just absurd, like, based on the numbers that he put up. I mean, you know, say it ain't so, but Josh Allen's certainly in that MVP conversation. No, I think he's easily – I think he's probably the MVP favorite right now. I, I'd probably take him over Kyler. Um, but with Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Tommy with another one. But, I mean, he, he was phenomenal last week as well. But if I – just regarding Kyler, I mean – Kind of a big matchup there against the at Browns. Is it a potential trap game for the Cardinals? Uh, you know, going into Cleveland rowdy environment. I think that you know they they have yeah. been their offense looked one hundred percent very nice. I think year. I think I think I think the Cardinals lose. I think the Cardinals lose. Like given the, the fact that like win. it's yeah because the Browns defense they look great, man. Like they look great, and like honestly, like the Chargers game last week, like they crumbled in the fourth. I think it was like. a 26 point fourth quarter from the chargers like i oh, guess yeah. you know what is it it's a high voltage offense if you will <laughs> quite frankly in, in Los it's a justin Angeles, herbert master class that was exactly exactly man. but the thing is the thing is kyler murray like this this defensive line is scary good like miles garrett could be defensive player of the year so and you know they got Jadavian Clowney who did not play by the way last week uh against the chargers so i think that you know he should be healthy he should be rested up if these are closing that edge against Kyler Murray, like the pocket's going to get suffocating. And I know that Kyler Murray is like literally Houdini with that ball sometimes, but it's, it's going to be interesting. And it really does come down to the Browns offense. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's really a throw up pick. Like it's, it's either, or um, because I just do not trust the Brown. Like, even though they did put up 41 or 42 points against the chargers, like, like what's going on with Odell Beckham, dude? Like they should just trade him. Like I hate. Yeah, I think I he's gone. Him. I honestly think he's gone by this uh, deadline. I think that the whole relationship with Cleveland ever since he's come there has kind of been very rocky. That injury just kind of screwed up the timeline as well. And I think that he's just not gelling with the team um, offensively. It's not even. It's not even that. Like it's just it's ridiculous because like. Because, like, I mean, we saw how he was on the Giants and the fact that he went to Cleveland. Like, like, don't forget the timing that he went to Cleveland, guys. Like, this is when, like, shortly after LeBron left the Cavaliers that Odell Beckham Jr. is coming. They're like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is, like, going to be the face of Cleveland sports now. Stacked up the team. And, yeah. 
Exactly. And it's so underwhelming to see, like, it's not even Odell's fault. Like, I was watching the Vikings game, and Baker just missed so many throws his way. And I'm like, I'm like, that's like absolutely like, you cannot be doing that. Like, like Odell's like literally one of the most athletic people that like we know in like the modern game. And the fact that you can't even put it in the vicinity of him to help him make a play is just ridiculous. And what's still the most frustrating part about this this entire thing with Odell and Cleveland is that like, like, let's be real, guys. If I told you just off the top of your head, the most random moment in the day, like we're not talking about football, but I just said, name me five NFL wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming to mind. And it's crazy yeah. because statistically he's not even top 20. Yeah. 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 Dude, that brings up an interesting thing about Baker. I mean, he hasn't signed the big extension. Do you guys think they could upgrade from Baker Mayfield? Yes, yeah, screw it. Screw it. Bring Derek Hardy to Cleveland. Bring Derek Hardy to Cleveland. This, this roster Vegas. is way too good to end up as a 500 team. Like, this is an unbelievable mm-hmm. team. Like, what Like what the, the front, front office and the head coach has done there, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year last year, he's a great coach. And Baker, yeah. I mean, he was great last week, but the Vikings game was ugly. Right, and he's not put so like I, I'll be real. Okay, I don't think Baker Mayfield is a Super Bowl quarterback. I just don't see it. So he's like not. for me, like yeah. they could easily he's upgrade not. Derek Carr, bring Derek Carr to Cleveland, bring Russell Wilson to Cleveland. Who knows? <laughs> Wait, never like, forget they tried. They tried to trade for him. They tried to trade for him yeah. like a long time. I mean, so. I, I honestly could <laughs> really see like I, I. Why would you give Baker Mayfield a huge extension? Like he's small. He's not as good as Kyler. He's not as good as any other tiny quarterback. He's not the. He's very accurate, but he can't make plays like that off his feet. I don't know. He's not a ceiling for me. He gives me some Jimmy Garoppolo vibes sometimes. Like he's better than Jimmy yeah. G, but he gives me those vibes sometimes. Like not mm-hmm. not a no, I get quarterback. It. I think the season is going to be pretty telling for Baker. Um, I feel like they're not honestly ready to move on from him, but at the same time, if they wanted to sign him to an extension, they would have done so already. You know, so the, there's definitely some hesitancy in the front office, but so far, I feel like you can't. Just, you know, like, let him go, like, like that. You know, I feel like he's oh, not. Oh, yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't. You know? can't. Like, I, no, you, you, you cannot let him go. You cannot let him go. Yeah. I think you, but you can definitely. use him as an asset, in my opinion. Like, I think Seattle would be more willing to deal Russell Wilson if they were getting a quarterback like Baker Mayfield back in addition to picks. That's right? just it, Those kind of things it, are doable. That's, that's just damage control at that point. Sean, I remember we were talking, like, you know, if – Seattle doesn't pan out this year, and it looks like they're not with this Russell Wilson injury. Is it possible that you know Wilson wants to move on from Seattle? You know, like, that's like another yeah. huge conversation that could be had yeah. in the offseason. A little too early to talk about that. <laughs> I, 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 I know this isn't on video, but I should just looking up at the series like, thank you, God. <laughs> oh man, dude, this guy owns the 49ers, bro. He absolutely no. owns the Niners. I need him gone. Dealing with I him mean, and God. Kyler Murray four times a year for the Niners is going to be the biggest headache ever. Yeah. I mean, oh, I think that something that's very interesting about the Wilson situation is that, again, people are not talking about this and it's making me really mad. But I love the fact that, you know, that we have like this podcast to talk about it. So the night that Russell Wilson got injured, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but a report actually started stirring up that the situation in Seattle is very dicey, apparently, with Russell Wilson and the team. And this offseason, this upcoming offseason is going to be Aaron Rodgers part two in Seattle. Like that's what they're saying. No, um, please don't. So I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, I wouldn't put it over them because the thing is that 
Wilson before before Aaron Rodgers drama came up like he of course Aaron Rodgers stole the offseason with everything that was said but right before Aaron Rodgers said all that stuff like oh, yeah, it was Laura, Wilson going yeah. on a crazy media tour saying a lot yeah. of stuff and like basically saying if you don't help me I'm out and the fact that he's injured like missing his first NFL start like it's I don't know it's, it's very interesting you gotta watch the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. Those are the two names. Yeah, I think I know. I actually do think that the new, especially New York Giants, because um, that was a team that was rumored for a long time. Apparently, his yeah. his uh, girlfriend now wife at uh, Sierra is really advocating for a move to New York. Like she loves it there. So, yeah. listen to New <laughs> York. A lot of buzz. I mean, yeah, I think that this this injury is kind of like screwing it up too. I mean, we all knew that there was like talks in the offseason. You know, that he felt he wasn't being, I mean, he wasn't being protected by his offensive line. And, you know, he had his PR team go, uh, you know, do a little magic in the offseason, have some controversies stirred up. Um, Nothing ended ended up happening. But I feel like, like you said, Sean, like this is going to be a very telling thing now that he's probably gone for what? Is it week 10 at the earliest? Like that's the best case scenario. Like they're hoping that he returns after the week nine bye. Yeah. So I think that. The season is probably, I mean, I think, you know, Geno Smith has to go at least 500 for this team to be in playoff contention. Um, you know, I don't know if that they can pull off Especially that in magic in the last six weeks, six, seven weeks of the season. So, you know, this could be the end for Wilson in Seattle if things go south, especially after, uh, if his injury is even worse than they think. You're right. It sucks for the city of Seattle, as much as I hate them and hope that they fail every week. It sucks because this is—he's honestly—he's a generational quarterback. He really is. He's—he's he's unbelievably special. He makes plays every week that even Patrick Mahomes can't make. It's like—it's unreal. Like the guy is so accurate downfield. He can make any throw. He can run. He can make plays on his feet. He can do things that other quarterbacks just can't do. And for Seattle to lose a guy like that—that that would be awful. And it's all because they have had the opportunity to give him protection. They have had ample opportunity, and they have never have done it. And it's mind-boggling. And Pete Carroll with his run-heavy offense, like, it's it's so ugly there sometimes. Like, they should have lost to the Niners if Trent Cannon didn't double fumble the football. That's the sad yeah. part. Like, they really should have lost the game. They could be one and four right now. The Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jamal Adams, a bunch of superstar players could easily be one and four. Like, Pete Carroll got to be looking at himself in the mirror. Like, John Schneider got to look at Pete Carroll in the face and be like, what the hell is going on? Because we do have a very talented team. And – to lose the Arizona Cardinals, lose to the Rams, like, I don't know, man. Uh, the Seattle situation is ugly, but I love every second of it, if I can just say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one one other team we had to talk about real quick is the Cowboys. Are the Cowboys actually legit this year? Um, you know, Dak has looked phenomenal. Zeke is kind of looking back to, you know, 2016, 2017 Zeke. Um, but I just kind of wanted to bring that up before we wrap up the pod, because I think that, you know, they're – People are calling them Super Bowl contenders. I don't know if I completely believe it yet, but their defense hasn't been as terrible as I thought they were going to be. You know, offensively, we all know that they have the weapons, but is is Dallas legit? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, their defense is headlined by, you know, their new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who was there with the Legion of Boom in Seattle. So, you know, you may minimize his role, even though with the Atlanta Falcons, he did lead them to the Super Bowl. They had a great team, but it was more of Kyle Shanahan's uh, offense coordinator okay. doing all that magic. Um, but now that Dan Quinn, you know, he's, he's not in that head coaching role. He's now stepped back and he's just handling the defense. It, it looks great, honestly. And I understand they've been playing some, like, not exactly playoff contending teams, but again, I always have said, like, 
There's a difference between beating those teams and absolutely dominating them. And that's what they need to do every week. Cause like, you know, if it's not a great team, I'm expecting that you need to go out there and dominate this team. You should not even give them breathing room. And that's what they've done uh, week in and week out. You know, Dak looks great. Probably the comeback player of the year, unless Joe Burrow kind of picks up the pace a tad bit more. Um, the race is not too far off from those two quarterbacks, of course, for that award. But again, you know, Dallas, like they're also, they're only going to get better. Michael Gallup is still injured. Um, basically since week one, he's been out. So he's going to come back. This offense is going to keep clicking the way that they do. But I think that this team is a playoff contender until, you know, they run into an Aaron Rodgers or they run into a Russell Wilson. Like teams like that, like they, they know how to beat defenses like this. And then the thing is, it goes back to the offense. Do they have what it takes to stay in those games? Because we've not seen that. The Buccaneers game was very, very close. And very, very telling because I was like, wow, this Cowboys team's actually good, you know, given the fact that it came down to a game winning field goal. So, I mean, if you can just read, I can read off the number of points in Dak Prescott's last eight starts 44, 36, 41, 37, 38, 40, 47, 44. I, I think it's honestly time to start talking about him as a top five quarterback. He's actually really good at what he does. He's accurate, like coming off the injury that he's coming off of and to put up performances like this. I'm in fantasy and he's a fantasy cheat code every week. He puts up numbers, and their offense puts up numbers. They were doing this last year, too. They just had no semblance of any defense. And then they got Trayvon Diggs making a, two picks every game. Like, the Cowboys have been very impressive. I mean, they're actually an incredibly fun team to watch play football. And I'm not fully convinced Mike McCarthy is doing a damn thing over there. Like, yeah. to me, it feels like all Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn doing everything, and then they have superstar playmakers making plays. Amari Hooper, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Tony Pollard, great offensive line with Zach Martin. They got Trayvon Diggs making plays. They got Michael Parsons running off the edge. They've been wonderful, really fun to watch. Um, I don't like the Cowboys, but they've been very, very exciting to watch for me, even being a Niners fan. Like, it's, I'm happy to see Dak Prescott do good, honestly, and I think it's time to start talking about him in that top five quarterback conversation. Yeah, I think when the offense is clicking, this team is honestly very exciting to watch. Like you said, Ashwin, just mirroring what you said. Um, but I think the question is, you know, can the defense hold, especially – down the season and you know i'm I, i'm gonna i picked them to win the division before the season started and i'm even more confident in my pick now especially looking at all the other teams but can they hold in the playoffs or you know whatever it is the wild card even down the stretch i don't really know their schedule but i feel like they're gonna run into a couple of teams so it's gonna give them trouble at least defensively yeah no certainly no doubt about it i mean yeah, but the fact that they're in the nfc east though just cuts them that break that's like six easy wins and it should be um, but you know, I think going, going out and getting those wins is very important because down the stretch, if their record is good enough for them to host a home playoff game, that could be the, obviously the goal for any team, but especially Dak Prescott, you know, to go off of the stats that you were saying, Oshman, like Dak Prescott specifically in just his last eight home games though. So just the home games, he's a seven and one record averages 40.8 points per game, 295 yards per game, and has 21 touchdowns and three interceptions. So again, that just doubles down on just how great this Uber guy is. Efficient. That's Yeah, literally. And like, just again, the amount of weapons that he has, that is disposable. Yeah, man, I mean, it's, 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 it's nice to see the Cowboys doing well. I think the league is better when the Cowboys are good because they're polarizing one way or another, right? For the NFL to have the Cowboys rolling, Tom Brady rolling, they got up and coming superstars like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, obviously Mahomes still there. 
right? They got these young rookie quarterbacks who are struggling, creating a little bit more controversy. I think the NFL's in a, like, if I can just end it on this, I think the NFL's in a really good place. And this season, regardless of my Niners, has been very exciting to watch. Yeah, I think uh, I agree, Ashman. I think the league is in a good place, especially with all these, like, young talent. Um, I think there's a new generation of quarterbacks coming. I think, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers are, like, passing the torches to, you know, the Justin Herbert's, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Um, so, yeah, the league is in a great place. I'm excited for week six now. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great week. I think there's a lot of interesting matchups that we discussed that going to be looking forward to and recapping next, next week. No, certainly. I mean, you guys, you guys said it best, you know, unfolding a lot of stuff on this podcast, of course, from Gruden to 49ers situation to all of these matchups and quarterback talk, I guess, for the most part. But um, super, super glad that Ashwin was able to join us today. Thank you, Ashwin, for coming on and sharing, you know, your opinions on, of course, being a Shanahan believer as well. So we'll keep that in mind. But <laughs> We hope that Ashwin will, of course, join us later down the stretch for podcasts through the weeks in NFL. But um, until next time, that's Rohan and Sean over here signing off on week five mailbag NFL.